whether you're in this room with us at South Louisville, at our Shepherdsville campus. Can you all welcome Shepherdsville? Woo! Or maybe you're listening online, uh, just get out your notebook, your sermon guide, get a pen. We are going to dive right in to a message that God has for us today. Uh, but actually, before we get started, I have an upcoming announcement I want to talk about. So coming up next week, everybody say next week. Next week is our relationship series, Roommate or Soulmate. Roommate or Soulmate. Um, it's going to be a great series. Uh, Pastor Jason and his wife Andrea are going to bring some awesome messages. And you don't want to miss it because <laughs> every time we have done a relationship series, I have walked away encouraged and challenged. Uh, it benefits my marriage, but also friendships and other things like that as well. So make it a point to be here for that series and bring someone with you. Um, but today I want us to talk about, what we're going to talk about today is that what you believe is more important than what you feel. What you believe is more important than what you feel. I didn't know if you all have ever done this before, like you get really passionate or excited about something, but you're not like totally informed. Like for a few months ago, my husband's like, we're going to do the keto diet. It's going to be great. And I was like, yes, meat and cheese, like steaks are my favorite. Let's do it. And string cheese, let's go. Come on. And then you're like looking at the list and you're like, hold on, no, no, like apples have carbs in them? Like I can't even eat apples? Like I don't understand that. Or bananas? Almonds? I can't even show them. Like that's not on my list? Okay. All right. I was totally not informed by that. Okay. I was really passionate at first, but did not know that there was a thing called keto flu. Has anybody ever heard of this? It's like you get flu-like symptoms and you're like, I was all in and passionate and excited, but not informed that like there was a flu involved. Um, or it's like, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to get excited. We're going to have a baby. It's going to be awesome. I have a cute little pregnant belly, maternity pictures. Yay. But like not informed of like varicose veins or like, I don't know, this is just me, but I have narrow hips. Like, you can't lay on your back while you're sleeping when you're pregnant because there's, like, a nerve there. You can't lay on your stomach because, obviously, you have a baby. And then, like, my hips hurt. So it was, like, roll over every 30 minutes. I was, like, not informed. Nope. Mm -mm. Passionate, but not informed, right? Or maybe you're the dad and you're, like, okay, yes, people tell me babies don't sleep. I get it. You know, I'm excited. still excited, still passionate. But, like, sleep exhaustion from your wife, like, no one really told you that that was a thing. And, like, you prepared yourself for the baby crying, but the wife crying because the baby's crying. Like, <laughs> no one ever informed us of that, right? So, there, if we're being honest, like, this does happen a lot. We get passionate about something. Or, like, you know, you get really passionate to lifestyle change, but, like, don't read, like, all the instructions on what to do when you're trying to run a marathon or how much time it takes. And you can be really passionate about something but not informed, right? And the same is actually true for our spiritual life. Like we come, we get excited, we get passionate about following Jesus, but we don't get informed about the hard times, right? It is it can be that we're, we don't really know what we're signing up for. Like we're excited and this excitement that comes from a life with Jesus is awesome. And we create environments at Hope City to bring hope to people. But then it's like Monday happens and your apartment and your job and your house and your kids aren't as amazing on Monday or Tuesday as it was on Sunday, right? 
It's almost like you get filled up from Jesus, like this big deep breath, and you're just holding your breath to get to the next Sunday, you know? Like you're trying to get there, if I could just get there. Because life doesn't feel as awesome as Sunday morning, or doesn't feel as awesome as the moment you got saved, or doesn't feel as awesome, and you're just trying to figure out why, like, what is the problem? What do I need to do? And I'm here to tell you that you have to know the truth. Because what you believe is more important than how you feel. So you started a relationship with Jesus and you're passionate, but it's the truth that keeps you going. The truth that keeps you going forward in the moments when it's hard. Right? But what we're going to see today is the same thing happened to Jesus. We're going to read in Matthew, in just a moment, in Matthew chapter 3, that Jesus, he gets baptized. It says the heavens open up, and God is like, this is my son who brings me great joy. And then immediately after that, he has the hardest month of his life. Immediately after, the very next chapter. But, it's because, but he's able to get through that because of truth. So today we're going to talk about truth specifically recognizing the lies of the devil because it's important to know that we can be passionate and uninformed. See, a lot of times you might think of the devil as like this big, scary, like muscle man, like trying to force you to do something, like like big, I don't know, like red, pitchfork, all the things, right? And the Bible does say that he is out to steal, kill, and destroy. But he cannot force you to ruin your life. He cannot force you to do the things, but he can tempt you. He can tempt you, and he does it with a small but powerful thing, and it's little thoughts, little lies in your head compounded over and over that you end up somewhere that you never thought you would be, doing something that you never thought you would do. He puts thoughts in your mind that you think are harmless, because he doesn't want to give like a big red flag. Like the devil's not going to come out and say, hey, you need to cheat on your spouse. Because like we would be like, I would never do that. But he might say, you know, she really gets me. My wife doesn't get me anymore. Like that girl at work, she kind of gets me. Or maybe like he, he like compliments me a lot. Like my husband never compliments me anymore. And the devil starts putting these lies in your head that we have to recognize it's just a thought, just a thought. Even like Eve in the garden, the snake didn't come out and say, you need to eat the apple. He came out and he started questioning. He's like, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from that tree? So you don't know, if, if you know what I'm talking about, let's think if there's any, if this sounds familiar. Like, you're like sitting at home and scrolling through social media and like, hmm, they're a little prettier than I am, you know, just a thought. Yeah, every time I try to get it together, I fail. I can't, I don't even know why I try. Just a thought. No one cares. I don't even know why I even go there because they don't even care. Just a thought. Maybe you think you're not strong enough. Not strong enough to let it go. I'm just going to keep doing it. Just a thought. But 2 Corinthians says that even Satan himself disguises himself as an angel of light. So it's not even negative thoughts. Sometimes it's positive things like, God would want you to be happy, so you probably just need to go ahead and get a divorce. You know? Or maybe, I deserve this. I work really hard. 
I'm going to pick up this bottle of wine. I have it under control. Just a thought. Or maybe you think a different church would be better. This just doesn't feel like it used to. You need to uproot yourself. Just a thought. Or maybe you're in a relationship and you're like, a baby would fix this. Just a thought. So even as I was preparing for this message, I could hear these thoughts in my head. And it's just hard because a lot of times whenever you're on this spiritual high, it's when the devil attacks harder. Because he's a really, really good liar and he knows exactly when to strike. So we have to be informed and we need to know how to find the truth. Because what you believe is more important than what you feel. But like I said, we're not alone in this. Jesus experienced the same thing. We're getting ready to read that. It's on your sermon guide. Um, or you could get a Bible. There's a Bible in your chair or under your seat. It's in Matthew chapter 3. Verse 16, so Jesus is getting ready to get baptized by John the Baptist. And it says in verse 16, or he gets baptized. And then in verse 16 it says, after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from the heavens said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Like what a moment. What a moment that Jesus, he goes public, he gets baptized, and the heavens open up, and God says, this is my son, he brings me great joy. Now, I'd be willing to bet, like, none of us have, like, seen the heavens open up, and God, like, speak to us audibly, but you may have had a moment like that. Maybe it was when you decided to follow Jesus, or maybe it was a church camp that you went to as a child, or... Maybe it was um, when you got baptized, you felt this joy, like, yes, yes, this is the beginning of something. This is my Matthew 3 moment. God is so good. I'm excited. And something amazing is going to happen. But it doesn't. Not right away. In fact, in this story, you would think that the very next chapter, Jesus would be at his highest moment, right? But it's not until verse 12. Verse 12, it says that his ministry begins, he finds his disciples, he performs his first miracle. But verse 1 through 11, he's in the wilderness, he's alone, he's being tempted by the lies of the devil. And maybe that's where you find yourself today. You feel like you're passionate and you feel like God's about to do something big, but you find yourself feeling like you're in the wilderness. Alone in your thoughts. Maybe you took yourself there by choices that you've made. Or maybe it's something that was done to you. Or however, whatever reason you're feeling that way. You may find yourself in a moment. If you're not right now, there are going to be times where you end up in the wilderness. But we can relate to Jesus. Before he gets to God's plans and purpose, he has to deal with lies and temptation. And maybe you're thinking, well, what, why do we need to have temptation? Like, he's Jesus. Couldn't he have just skipped this part? Couldn't he just moved on, right? Couldn't he just, like, say, okay, bye-bye, let's go? But it was what happened in the wilderness that helped him in, be able to endure the cross. If he would have given in to temptation in the wilderness, he would have never done the plans and purpose that God had for him. And we would not have salvation in his name. See, temptation for him and for us builds endurance. 
Resisting lies is hard every single time. But when you can stand up and say, I'm not going to do it, or yes, I am going to do it, it deepens your faith and you get pushed forward into your purpose and plan that God has for you. He was able to resist temptation and we can too. It says that in 1 Corinthians 10, 13, is that temptations in your life are no different than what others experience. So the devil tries to tell you that you're the only one going through it. But the reality is we are all experiencing these temptations, every single one of us. But God is faithful, and he will not allow temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So God will show up, and he will show you a way out. And when you say no, or when you walk away, you endure, which builds endurance, which builds endurance, and you can celebrate the time that said, I wanted to give up so bad, but I didn't. And look what God has done. God's ultimate purpose was for Jesus to go to the cross. And if it wasn't for his temptation through the wilderness, he wouldn't have been able to do that. And the same is true for us. But he resisted temptation because he knew who he was. God came down and says, you are my son. And the same is true for us. We have to know who we are. And he had the power of the spirit in him. It says that the spirit was in him in this moment. And you have that same power in you. And he knew the truth. We're going to see that Jesus fights temptation by reciting scripture and the word back at the devil. There are millions of lies that the enemies tells us. But we're going to, as we read Matthew 4, verse 1 through 11, we're going to focus on the three lies that the enemy tries to trap Jesus in. And it's the same three lies that we get trapped in as well. So chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights he fasted and became very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, if you are the son of God. Let me just pause there really fast. And he's already questioned, like, hey, Jesus, if you really are the son. But, like, Jesus is like, no, I know who I am. God already told me. God already told me who I am. I am his son. So he says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, no. The scripture says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Verse 5, then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple and said, if you, are my, if you are the son of God, jump off. For the scripture says, he will order his angels to protect you and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on, on a stone. Jesus responded, the scripture also says you must not test the Lord your God. Next, the devil took him to speak to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scripture says, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil went away and angels came and took care of Jesus. See, the three lies are right in there in this scripture. That the devil tries to use to trap Jesus and he tries to trap us with these lies too. And the first lie is you can have whatever you want. 
The devil shows up and he says, turn those stones into bread. And Jesus has fasted for 40 days. And I don't know about you all, but like he's hungry, right? It even says like he became very hungry. And you would think like God just told him how awesome he is. Of course God wants him to have bread, right? And we can fall into that too. God wants us to have whatever we want, right? Like I come to church and I pray, like I pray like the things I want are actually good things too. Like I want a baby, God should give me a baby. Like I want a spouse, God should give me a spouse. I want that job, God should give me that. But God knows more, God knows what we want better than we know what we want. You see, we think we want these things, but only God truly knows what's for us, right? And we don't serve God because of the gifts that he gives us. We serve God because of who he is. We have to come to a place that says our deepest satisfaction is in God, not his gifts. And when that happens, our hearts become aligned with him. And we no longer want what we want. We want what God wants. Psalm 37, 4 says, Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. It's not that God will give you everything that you desire. It's God takes your desires and replaces them with his desires. The desires that please him, not us. So we fall into the lie that we can have whatever we want if we follow Jesus. But then we end up getting things and, that we don't need. And the, he is the one that knows what we need. So can we follow a God that doesn't give us everything that we want? The devil wants us to get trapped in that lie and feel disappointment. And the second lie we get trapped in is you can do whatever you want. The devil tells Jesus to jump off the temple, for scripture says, the angels will protect you. And Jesus comes back and says, the scripture also says not to test the Lord. Jesus could have fallen for the trap and jumped off, but he knew the truth. He knew that, that the devil was twisting scripture and only showing half truth, Right? See, we fall into like half-truths or in, the, in this situation, but also this week, it was funny because it was kind of funny that this worked out. The way this worked out, we were like, this is a half-truth. We ordered the desk for the office, and the description on the desk said that the drawer's locked. We are like, yay, we need drawers that lock so we can put stuff in it. It's great. Pastor Joe's putting it together, four drawers, one locked. Half-truth. Half-truth. The description said the, it locked. We were like, yay, it locks. One drawer out of four. So half truth, right? But it becomes dangerous when we try to pick apart the Bible and only believe half truths in it. Because we try to believe things that make us feel comfortable or that don't challenge us. It's hard. I'm, I mean, it is, it is hard to believe whole truth sometimes. So, for example, you have whole truths like Jesus loves me. And I'm safe, saved by the free gift of grace. That's a whole truth. I'm free from sin, so now I can do whatever I want. Half truth. Because Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live in freedom, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. It goes on to verse 16. It says, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. 
then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves, which is the opposite of what the Spirit craves. So we have to believe whole truths. And I don't know if some of y'all may know my story, but I felt a few years ago, I don't remember how long ago, three, four years ago, I felt God telling me to stop drinking, right? Stop drinking alcohol, but I was justifying it with the half truth, like alcohol is not a sin, alcohol is not a sin, alcohol, you know, that was my half truth, because it does say that being a drunkard is. And so I had to come to a place that says, am I choosing to believe half-truth and still letting alcohol control me and take me to a place I don't want to go? Or do I want to accept the whole truth that God has something better for me? And if I give in to the sinful nature, I, it will lead me to death. Right? There are other half-truths that we come to. Maybe we read something that says God says we're going to prosper and not harm you. And we think, oh, I'm going to be rich and never get hurt, right? <laughs> that's a half-truth. But we do know that God is good. That's what that scripture means. God is good and he is for us. We get trapped in a lie that we can still do whatever we want. And then we're dealing with consequences. And we're wondering why. See, if we let God work in us, he will give us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's not on our strength. It's on his power that we're able to do what pleases him. And it's not that we change for God to love us because he already loves us. We change because God loves us. And when we believe half-truths, we never get to experience God's whole promise. So the first lie was that we can have whatever we want. The second lie is we can do whatever we want. And the third lie is you can prioritize whatever you want. The devil says, I will give you all of this if you kneel down and worship me. And Jesus responds with, we must worship the Lord your God and, all, and serve only him. We fall into this lies that God doesn't care that I'm only half committed, right? You know, like Sundays are for God, Saturdays are for me. or, But then we end up in destruction, right? Or maybe you're like, God's, God knows I'm busy right now, you know? I can't get up in the morning and spend time with him. It's busy. And he knows it. It's fine. But that's the lie that we fall into is you can prioritize whatever you want. It's not that I worship my job or my kids. I just want them to have opportunities. Or maybe you think, my boyfriend says I spend too much time at work or at church, so I need to, like, come every other week, right? But Jesus comes back and says you worship only God and serve only him because we cannot have two masters because you will hate one and love the other. If you're putting something before God, and only you can know that. See, people can come here every single week but still not be prioritizing God, right? But only you can tell if you are putting God as your priority or not. But you can fall into the lie that we can prioritize whatever we want. We worry about not having enough time in the morning or maybe it's, you know, you're feeling this call to like start tithing but you don't know if you can afford it but God supernaturally provides the time and the money like I don't even know how it works like if you've ever 
taking the step to like really sit down and pray in the morning or taking the step to really put 10% towards God, he blesses the other 90%. Because Matthew 6.33 says, seek the kingdom above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. See, when you prioritize him, his eternity kingdom, but also his kingdom here on earth, building his kingdom, going out and finding people that don't know Jesus. When you prioritize that, he provides everything that you need. And the devil wants you to believe that you can prioritize whatever you want because he's actually a little nervous because if you start prioritizing going out and finding people for Jesus, (laughs) then his kingdom falls or the devil does, right? And so he's like over here nervous because you have begun to prioritize God. But only you can tell what that is. And we see families a lot, like, just get in busy seasons, you know. And I can't join a growth group right now, or I can't do this right now. But that's just putting other things as the priority. The truth is there's nothing more valuable than your relationship with Jesus. And there's nothing more valuable than God. And the question is, are we asking God to be a part of our life or at the center of it? None of us are exempt from temptation because in this world, we will face it. We will face temptation and we will face lies. And you'll find yourself in the wilderness believing these lies. But you will get to verse 12 in chapter 4 or verse 12 where Jesus triumphed through it. He begins his miracles and you will get there too. But maybe you're thinking like, Jesus is Jesus. Like, I'm not sure I can fight like he did, get through it like he did. But can I tell you some good news? The Bible says we have the same power that raised Christ from the dead within us. So you're not fighting these temptations and these lies on your own. If you've accepted Jesus into your life, you have that same power within you. It is not on our strength. It is on his strength. It is on God's strength, and it is our job to just recognize the lies and know his truths. See, there are times when we find ourselves in the wilderness and we don't know what to do. So a few months ago, I was kind of going, I was going through a rough time, and it was my own personal wilderness, and it was rough, and I sat across the table um, at a breakfast with a mentor of mine. He's um, a good friend, and he is like, so what's going on? And so I'm telling him everything. And he's like, what's going through your head right now? And I'm like, I have no idea why this is happening. I have no idea if I'm going to get through this. And honestly, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my faith. And he said something to me that I will never, ever forget. He said, Katie, do you believe the things that you say? Do you believe that God is for you? Do you believe that God is good? And I was out even blinking. I said, yes, I do. And he said, then you're going to be just fine. You see, I'm not exempt from the lies of the enemy. But in that moment, I had to be reminded that what I believe is more important than what I was feeling in that moment. Did I feel down? Yeah. Did I feel angry and afraid? Absolutely. 
But my friend, my mentor said, you got to go to the truth. You have to know the truth. And the truth is God loves us. And he is for us. And he is not against us. And no matter what we do, if we have him, we are going to get through it. We are going to get to the triumph. We are going to be able to endure even more. Because I don't know what your wilderness looks like. And I don't know what you're going through. But I know that the power of Christ lives within you. And that you will get to the other side. And you will be able to say, God is good. God is faithful. See, I love that we get excited about Jesus and passionate about him. But we have to believe that even when we don't get what we want, even when we don't get to do whatever we want, even when our priorities are kind of out of whack, that God is the only thing that we need. Because the truth is, is no, we can't have whatever we want, but he knows what we need. And he says, and we, cannot, we can't do whatever we want because what we need is a life completely surrendered to him. And there is nothing more valuable than a relationship with God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for this word. God, we thank you for your truth. We thank you that you provide the truth for us when we're in the middle of our wilderness, God, when we are feeling defeated. God, when the passion is fading, that you show up providing for us your truth that says that you love us. God, that you will wrap your arms around us even in the darkest moments, Lord. God, the power of your spirit that is within us is the same power that raised you from the dead, God, and we thank you for that. We thank you that we get to fight through, not on our strength, but on yours, God. God, I pray for every person in the room that's going through their own personal wilderness, Lord, that they are able to see the triumph and hope on the other side of it, knowing that you're going to be right there with them because we're not alone. God, we have you to walk with us in every second of every single day, Lord. We thank you for a place like Hope City where we can find hope, where we can find your grace, but we can also learn your truth that's going to get us through the hard moments, God. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you for what you're doing in and through us each and every day. In your holy name we pray, amen.